The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me back from, uh, where were you last week? Holger. Holger. Not a place. I was speaking to someone called Holger. Holger in Manly. Yeah. Uh, is Trevor, editor. Hello. Um, just the two of us this week after last week's marathon pod. I haven't listened to it yet, I must be honest. Right, just is it a good one? Yeah. Wait till the weekend until you've got a few hours. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, not much has been happening in football this week, so I'm sure this one will be shorter. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right, let's kick off. A-League, round 10 review. Uh, Friday night, North Queensland got up 2-1 at home to Perth Glory. Goals from Chris Payne and David Williams. Uh, Michael Baird equalised for Glory, but David Williams scored the winner 20 minutes from time. Um, Trevor, what did you make of the game? First disappointing crowd again, they're 4,000. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's, it sounds like there's more there. They do a good job up there, but um, but again, that, that's again a concern. Um, good strike from Payne to start things off. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that Payne and Williams were the the winners for Fury on the day because I think they're their their big hopes to kick on this season, aren't they? I've been impressed with um, both of them. Perth slump continues. I didn't actually see um, the press conference after the interview afterwards with Ian Ferguson, but I did see. Kevin's Twitter where he was saying Fergie was saying things like oh you know this is nothing I've lost seven games in a row before which didn't exactly sound you know the, well, the most sort of inspiration I mean, I, I, it was it was raining pretty heavily up there yeah, it was shocking, and wasn't it? Um, there was just as I turned the TV off after watching it there was just a shot of sort of Fergie just stood on the touchline after the final whistle had gone just just staring sort of into space and you just sort of think Looked a little bit like a rabbit in the headlights, yeah. thinking I'm not really sure what to do here, you know. And um, I mean, it was it wasn't a bad game. I mean, there was um, I thought there was some you know some decent invention shown going forward, but there was just some awful defending on both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, no, well, both goals, you know, both opening goals were were a good example of that. I mean, Payne was left to sort of run into the box, and and no one really ran to even sort of get in front of the, the and then. The, the the glory goal was just a catalogue of errors which ended up with the ball being squared to bed to tap into an open goal. So um, you'd be worried if you're a Perth fan because I mean this is easily the best team they've ever had in the A League, um, and to start so well and to now look like you don't know where they're going to get the next set of points from. Um, you know Fowler obviously to come back. Do we know when he's definitely back? Well, supposedly this weekend. Okay. Yeah, against Sydney. Uh, and my other concern with Perth is that they, their plan B seems to be stick Jeremy Harmwell on and. Throw him up front, yeah. And wherever you can stick him on, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, I'm not not convinced about that. Um, Saturday's game, uh, things opening game, things went from bad to worse for Sydney FC, uh, who went down to Etihad Stadium and um, and got battered really, didn't they? They were struggled to get into the game. A lesson in how not to mark by Sydney FC. I mean, the amount of free space that Melbourne had in Portland space I mean Vargas should have added a second oh the second one was even worse like, you know just no. stands on the six yard box <laughs> takes three steps backwards to create room for the header and no one marked him from a corner yeah. unbelievable well, I think it should have been said rather should have stepped back on <sighs> if I remember rightly but yeah I mean really basic stuff you know set pieces um, not picking up the big centre back who's already scored um, yeah shocking yeah um Good win for Melbourne, sort of gets them, I would imagine, sort of back on track after the the, the derby defeat um, to bounce back quickly and uh, and beat, 
Yeah, last season's nemesis, really, Sydney FC. Um, crowd of 17,000 there. Again, as we talked about last week, no reason why that couldn't have taken place at Amy Park. Yeah. Uh, and we preferred it to. Um, Not, I think it was the Cold World Cup that day. And I know we always come up with excuses for crowds, but I think it was the Cold World Cup that day and it had been raining for a couple of days. So Sydney are rubbish, so yeah. might have hit it slightly. Uh, Brisbane drew one all with Newcastle. Um, <laughs> Possibly one of the most one-sided finals you'll ever see. I mean, Brisbane had a catalogue of chances and, and had to wait until the 77th minute. Uh, they actually scored both goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but Newcastle somehow came away with a draw. Mm. Uh, ben Kennedy had a good game in goal, some cracking saves. Uh, There's massive question marks over him for very long periods. Ma- mainly because of his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's not yeah. right, is it? Um, but, yeah, incredible performance, wasn't it? Um... Phoenix, uh, two-all draw with Melbourne Heart, uh, so their unbeaten home run is intact. Um, Do you Chris Greenacre opened the scoring, John Aloisi equalised, Matty Thompson scored a cracker, a uh, great little tight control turn in the box and a good finish, and then uh, Leo Bertos uh, evened things up, and that's the way it stayed for the last half an hour. Paul crowd at Wellington as well, mm. 5,000, so not great. Um, Slipping everywhere. Um, with Greenacre, do you remember last season I, I put a bet on him to be top goal scorer at the beginning of the season? Of like, yeah, about like 40 to 1 or something because no one really knew who he was. Yeah. It's good to see that he's waited till this season when it. I haven't got a bet on him. So I think he's, he's joint top goal scorer at the moment. Yeah, um, so good, good result for Hart, you'd say, on the road going over there. Um, so they backed up again uh, after their derby win. So, you know. I getting think, there, aren't they? Yeah, I think they are. I think they're starting to. Um, to look like they could be a force to be reckoned with this season. Um, Gold Coast Adelaide, nil-nil. Uh, less said the better. I was unfortunate enough to watch all of this yeah, game, no. and it was pretty dull. Good crowd, though. <laughs> 2,389. It's not really going to bring them rolling back, though, next, <laughs> the next week. Look what you're missing. Yeah. Uh, Mariners had the weekend off, um, which meant that uh, the table... Um, Adelaide played 10, 22 points, six points clear of Brisbane, uh, who have nine, although that is actually, would now be three points after last night, so they would have moved to uh, to 19. We'll just talk about that briefly. Um, the Mariners on 15 and stay that way after last night's defeat. Sydney FC rock bottom, four points. Uh, Newcastle with a game in hand on eight points. So, you know, Sydney could find themselves seven points adrift. Six or seven points adrift. I mean, who, who do you see bolting out of the the lot that are in the the bottom half? I mean, Melbourne Heart seventh. Got to be honest, none of them at the moment. Not even really. the heart. I, I I can see that the top six sort of staying as it is. Well, maybe you know Heart. You'd probably say would would make a a, a jump into the top six, but I, I might push the push Phoenix out because purely because Phoenix away form so terrible and they never show any signs of improving it. Yeah. Uh, leading goal scorers four on four Chris Greenacre Paul Eiffel Matthew Leckie Sergio Van Dijk and David Williams uh, three goals John Aloisi Gite Bertos Payne Ramsey Reynaldo and Stajowski a couple of young um, Aussies at the top of the scorers chance well yeah and a couple of young Aussies that have missed it. Yeah, one of them has missed a couple of games as well on tour with the under 19 so, yep. um, so Brisbane last night Trev Two 0 winners over the Mariners. Never really in doubt. Mariners didn't really get started. They've sort of blamed their lack of game time. Having had the weekend off last week, it was a couple of weeks since they'd played. Yeah. Um, two great goals. Yep. Broich who uh, opened the scoring. Who is a great player? 
he is a good player yeah. and, and unfortunately I backed him to score at any time rather than the first goal he was oh. still paying $4.60 to score at any time so I had a little piece of that um, I, I fancied him to always win that game after the disappointment of the last one because it was a strange their draw previously wasn't it because it's always disappointing not to pick up maximum points but in the grand scale of how the A-League works you want to be playing like that don't you because yeah. you know things are going to come right eventually yeah and a great strike from Franjic to, to, to seal the points and a, and a strong goal celebration as well yeah. <laughs> which, it- which is, is now on Twitter is, is going to lead apparently to Bozza's hair being shaved yeah. Potentially this weekend on uh, match day Saturday, so I have to uh, Which keep I, a look at that. I can't really see how that's a punishment. I think that's doing him a massive favour, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm not sure who's going to do it though. That'd be quite. Maybe they could get Franjic on to do it himself. <laughs> uh, he could. He could do the honours. Uh, so that's it for uh, round ten, and that's it for part one. Um, as we promised, slightly shorter than last week, but we haven't got into the news yet. So join us in uh, part two when we'll be looking at the news headlines from a a very busy week uh, in Australia and overseas. So uh, we'll be back after this break. 442 is five years old this month and we're celebrating with a new section, a hot new look and a new editor. Australia's finest player, Harry Kuehl, takes over the editor's job at 442 this month with a look back at the highs and lows of his stellar career and he delivers his controversial blueprint for the future of Australian football. Go inside Australia's bid to host the 2022 FIFA World Cup as we get exclusive access to the bid team, including Ben Buckley and Frank Lowy. We go one-on-one with French legend Robert Pires and launch a brand new performance section guaranteed to make you a better player. Honest, fifth birthday souvenir special issue on sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. In part two, we're going to be looking at some of the news headlines on our site, website au.442.com. Uh, the week kicked off, Trev, with uh, the Young Socceroos and the under 19, AFC Under-19 Championship just falling at the final hurdle. Uh, unluckily going down 3-2 to North Korea with a last-minute uh, unfortunate fumble by the keeper, uh, Mark Birigitti, which is, which is uh, disappointing. It's always disappointing when... Uh, yeah, you know, it'd be remembered for one player's mistake. I understand um, he'd had a cracking tournament as he well. He had, he'd done well, and and they played well. You know, I watched I watched the game, and um, yeah, it was a difficult surface, and they kept trying to play football, and yep. and and the way that they got back into the game, having gone one nil down to go two one up, was um, was testimony to their character as well as their ability. So I I think there's a there's a lot of positives to take from that. Um, yeah, I mean, you like to win these things, but it needs to be put in context that. You know that stage is about preparing them for the senior national team. You Absolutely, know, more than anything yeah, else. And, and there's a yeah, we we've sort of unearthed a few names that are that have been kicking around. That Mr. We, T, <laughs> Mr. T, Mr. T, for example, and uh, you know, and also Mustafa Amini and, yep. and players like that. That you know, we'll, we'll now we've now got names to look forward to. You know, and he mate, he came on for the Mariners yesterday and made yep. his debut at 17, which is great. Yeah, and obviously the, the the number one priority of that AFC tournament was to qualify for the World Cup, the you know, yep. twenty World Cup next year in Colombia, which they've done. Um, yep. I mean, so, go, a quick word on, on our own Mr. T. Um, what I liked about him is that he seemed to have genuine arrogance and confidence of a striker who mm. believes in himself. You know, he he seemed like the real deal, didn't and he? And attached to go with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jan Verslein understandably uh, spoke on his return to Aden and. Uh, 
you know, and and fair play to Aidan on his coverage of this on our site. I think it's been absolutely first class. Um, and he's, there's a there's a very interesting piece that everyone should get online and read where he's had a long chat with Alistair Edwards. Um, about you know what needs to happen with these players now and the fact that they need to get game time. The guys that are contracted to A League clubs need to be playing. You know, for us to have a shot at at uh, performing at the Under Twenty World Cup, it's no good if these guys now come back and spend six months sitting on the bench. So um, and the national to youth say on that, yeah, and the youth quite, league's not really going to test them. So um, so yeah, jump online and read that. Um, in other news, geez, where do we start? David Beckham. Back yeah. I've heard month. Landon Donovan is coming to Australia, is it true? And Landon Donovan, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beckham's carrying his bags. Um, <laughs> so, Bex is coming back and he's going to the Hunter. He's going to be playing against Newcastle Jets. Oof. So, yeah, this is another uh, another step in the, the rejuvenation, you'd say, of the Jets, that they're going to have this showpiece game on, uh, I think it's the 27th of November, yes, Saturday yeah. night at Energy Australia Stadium. Um, it's another way to uh, to kickstart the game. I mean, the Jets, interesting enough, last week, I just got their uh, release that they sent out last week. Um, funnily enough, the day after we spent a lot of time talking about this with Francis in the podcast, not saying that they listened, but um, but they actually released uh, their, almost like their mission statement, if you like, which was, and I'll, I'll read it to you for those of you, because a lot of people probably haven't seen this. Um, so this went out to all the media and... and um, so it said, the Jets, who we are, we belong to you, the community. We're a not-for-profit organisation. Any profits made will go back into the club and football, including junior development. Who runs the Jets? The Jets will be managed on behalf of the community by an independent advisory board of management and suitably qualified professional management team. In addition to the corporate governance board, we will also establish a football advisory board to support the football development. We are passionate about football and the football family playing an entertaining, exciting and attacking and winning brand of football, providing access to games in a family-friendly and affordable environment, success on and off the field, including everyone, youth development and involvement with schools and amateur football clubs. The Jets will establish a direct connection and a genuine relationship with the community, re-engage the football family and extend a welcoming hand to the general community of Newcastle, Hunter and Northern New South Wales, provide a pathway for the future development of young players registered within our region. And they back that up with um, a number of key ticketing initiatives for the remainder of the season. Uh, and that would be $10 general admission tickets for 2010 games, $100 family pass for 11 games. And that's phenomenal. That's unbelievable. Children 15 and under will be free for the rest of the season. And a football family and community day on the 31st of October where free admission will be given to the first 10,000 people uh, to sign up to the website. I've got one thing to say about that. Well done, Newcastle. Well done, Nathan Tinkler. Yep. Exactly what we were talking about last week. This is what needs to happen. Um, and, you know, the fact that it will be kick-started with, uh, with a prestige-friendly uh, against LA Galaxy, you know, all power to him. So, well done there. Trev, I mean, um, you know, what's your thoughts on this? They seem to be you know, going about things exactly the right way. Um, yeah, if you're willing to lose a load of money and sort of have that community focus, I don't think you're going to find many... I don't think that's a blueprint that every club's going to pick up, for example. I think that's one that he's happy to take a loss and you because know, he feels passionately about the Newcastle situation. Um, and yeah, it is great. I'm not saying it's not great. I just don't think it's practical for everyone. 
you know, and it's not going to encourage new owners to come in. I don't, I don't, think, he's, he, I don't think he's anticipating. Yeah, what he's saying is that any profits that they make will be put back in. I mean, what profit? What profits are they going to be based on? Well, I guess, you know, yeah, I guess this is, he's not looking at making a profit this season. So I think what they need to do is to re-engage and get people back there supporting the team. You know? Yeah. So he's he's making it. He's removing cost as a potential barrier. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's obviously. You know they, they've invested in the coach. They believe they've got the right man for the job in Branco. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Mark Jones has left, citing a, a few assistants of off, weren't they? Um, yeah, and so you know, from they seem to be you know having that. You know, one of the things is at least they stand for something. Yeah. There's a lot of elite teams to it. I don't really know what they stand for. Yeah. Whereas they've come out very clearly and said what they stand for. Nathan Tinkler's been good to his word, which is you know he's about supporting football and, and the the pastime of many people in the Hunter Valley and he's made it as cheap as possible for them to come along. Yeah. Um so yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh see how it works for the rest of this season. Yeah, yeah, I do think it's going I mean what a turnaround for Jets fans who a matter of weeks ago were going, Are we gonna have a club? And now, not only they've got a club, they can go and watch it for ten bucks, and they can watch Beckham. Well, last season they were being threatened with being dangled off the grandstand. Now they've <laughs> yeah. been let in for let in for free. That's for how quickly things yeah. can turn around. Um, other quick news: Matildas, so again, really? continue their fantastic form, and they've already qualified for the Peace Cup final. Um, they will be playing against either England or New Zealand, uh, who play tonight to to make up the other. Uh, the other place in that final, they uh, a big Chinese uh, with a with a cat strike from four for two columnist Kate Gill. Yep, she's got a couple actually. Piece. I think yeah. she's, she's gone back to back with goals recently. Yeah, so uh, good to see the girls continuing their good form. And with the World Cup in Germany next, next year, year. I, I'm interested to see whereabouts they're going to be. I mean, it's, it's um, women's football's been dominated by the US. Um, for quite a while England US, have got a decent Brazil. team Brazil yeah, got a good Germany team Germany have got a very good yeah. side as well um, who I think Matildas are playing in a friendly um, at some point as well so that will be an interesting one to see you know, how close they are in terms of those you know, real teams at the top because having watched them against you know, other female teams I get the impression that you know, they might be there or thereabouts in Germany next year yeah well you know they, they got to the quarterfinals last time and you know we're, we're on yeah weren't unlucky to lose to Brazil but certainly you know gave a great account of themselves yeah. and, and 3-2 so um, so yeah we've got high hopes for the girls uh, on the men's side of things Australia have moved up another three places in the FIFA rankings to 21st uh, which is nine spots ahead of the uh, of the next Asian team which would be Japan uh, who have also moved up three to 30 30th place Asian Cup lock-ins yeah is that right? yeah yeah, well, the big was Russia, who shot up 15 places uh, to 10th in the world, um, and that's despite not qualifying for the last World Cup. Have you? I did see a Russia game the other day, actually, um, and they—I thought they were brilliant. Yeah, no, I they were absolutely mate. brilliant. I mean, individually, the qualities there, you know, like Sharvin, Zerkov, you know, Pavlichenko, players like that. It's whether they can. Uh, well, it's strange that unit. strange that Hiddink didn't get more out of them. You know, you'd, you'd think with the players they've got and the way they've been playing that a manager like him could, you know, really take them far. Uh, back home, news broke yesterday that Melbourne Victory have swooped. There's that word again. Love it. It's the only context I ever see it in football. Yeah, they've swooped for Osaka Cernak, um, who you know we've we've been big fans of on the podcast this year. You know, he's definitely stood out. And you know, this is a shame because obviously, whilst there's still these question marks over Fury's ownership and and long-term future, they've been forbidden 
to open any contract negotiations for beyond this season. So, so any good unfortunately, go this could be a, 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 the start of an exodus from there. Because talks about when this happened last season. You know, players have got like you know this is their livelihood, this is their career. You know, not the case. I don't think in Cernak's place, but a lot of them have got mortgages and families and kids. You know, so. So you know you can't blame the players for for looking for that security and uh, and they've, they've, Melbourne have swooped with a two-year contract so um, you can't really blame him there. And David Williams is the only guy that's that stuck that's, that's on a longer-term yeah. contract. So basically, all the Fury are is a window for young players and the best get to go to the the better A-League teams. Yeah, which can't be you know. I mean, I'm a West Ham fan, so I know all about losing your best players. So it's pretty disheartening for Fury. You know all about being near the bottom of the league as well. It's rock bottom. Yeah, rock bottom. Uh, all right, we would be it would be remiss if we didn't talk about two of the bigger stories from world football as well. Um, obviously, the Wayne Rooney, Sir Alex Ferguson spat has dominated uh, British and world headlines um, since, and this can really be traced back to uh, the. Mix zone after the England game last week when uh, journalists were asking Rooney about his his ankle injury, uh, which which Sir Alex Ferguson had, had been using as a as a reason why he was playing or wasn't starting games for United, and uh, Rooney came out and said, "There's nothing wrong with me, nothing wrong with my ankle." So, Rule one of playing under Fergie: <laughs> do not contradict him. <laughs> so and then we've seen Alex Ferguson come out in a, in a very different Alex Ferguson than we used to see him with the press, which is quite a sort of you know. Forlorn figure, kind of standard player, you know, like we've done everything for this boy, you know. Uh, it was like Cheryl Cole, wasn't it? Yeah. It was almost like you feel like he'd been betrayed. I just couldn't feel sorry for him now, because um, you know he's a nut and <laughs> Now we've also seen Rooney come out uh, with a release which has sort of said that he was surprised by a comment that he's, and apparently this now dates back to August when. Um, he, when the contract discussions were about to open and, and Rooney was looking for some assurances with regards to the, the, the spending of the future squad, you know, obviously he's probably looking at, you know, Ronaldo leaving, people like that, and you know, the money that's come in that hasn't really been reinvested in players. Uh, he didn't get the assurances that he wanted. Um, so, you know, the contract talks were, were broken off. So uh, this has obviously been brewing for quite a while. And obviously uh, Carlos Tevez as well joining Man City. So... Trev, where, where where do you sit on this? Um, what, am I on the Fergie side or am I on the Rooney side? It's difficult yeah. to pick, isn't it? I don't think it's it's particularly clear cut. I think Rooney's become um, a bit disheartened with you know the media pressure and you know all, all the rest. So I read an interesting blog probably about a year ago on the Guardian saying how you know Rooney is so perfectly fitted for Manu. There's every chance he'll play his whole career at Manu. You couldn't see him leaving. That's why it's such sensational news. Um, yeah, I, I think he just wants a fresh break. I think it's been so turbulent for him, um, and I, you know, you have to. There's a bit of you that sort of goes, well, that's fair enough. Rooney's well, going to want to play with the best players in the world. If Manu clearly aren't going to do that, then it's fair enough to look to move on. But you know, where's he going to go? Is the big question. You know, they can't let him go to Man City. I can't believe that's going to happen. Well, I, I'm, nothing would surprise me, <laughs> considering that. You know, I, I, I just feel. That, I mean, part of me is. I don't know. I can see it from both sides, but you know, I, I think the days of not expecting players to cross cities has just gone now because it is just unfortunately all about money, you know. And 
no doubt about it. Man City will probably come in with a, with an offer that eclipses anything anywhere else in the world. They're going to have to, though. They're gonna they they you. can, well, well, but you if know. If Yaya Torre is on over two hundred thousand pounds a week, what yeah. are they going to offer Rooney? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's going to. Yeah, they're probably going to offer someone original a quarter of a million pounds a week. Um, you know, and and when you've got other people's live, other people have an influence on his decision of where to go. Other people have financial interests on his decision on where to go. Mm-hmm. Generally, these days, and unfortunately for football, I think you know the, the money tends to win out, and and the, the, the loyalty or the, the not necessarily the loyalty, but the understanding of the fans' perspective of what it means to cross cities in that way just seems to have gone out of the window now, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is a shame. I mean, the other the other avenues for him would would probably be Chelsea um, if he was staying in England or Madrid. You know, I mean, Mourinho has already sort of come out and said. Yeah, obviously I'd, I'd be interested in the player like Rooney if he was to become available. Uh, Tottenham as well, Redknapp said yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, off a par exchange on a full Cortina. Um, yeah, in terms of who I'd like to see him go to, um, I'd like to see him go to Madrid under Mourinho. I think he'll he'll turn him into a little bit like what he did with Eto into last season, as in like a hard-working winger. And to see him, you know, back with Ronaldo and Ozil, I reckon that'd be quite interesting. I reckon Benzema... Um, could be the sort of part exchange to man you you know get a decent player yeah. back so and they'll always find the money they're one of those clubs that it doesn't matter if they can afford it they'll, they'll find the money well, just just before I was coming in here I saw a, a tweet a tweeted headline from the mirror who actually broke this story at the weekend and um, they had a in quotes so I don't know I didn't have a chance to click through and see the quote was that that Rooney's now officially for sale and may not play for United again so that's till January then yeah. that he's not going to be doing anything right yeah uh, the other one is the the obvious question of uh, a, a, you know a, a dissatisfied Fernando Torres becoming the the main target to replace Rooney at Man United although you know you probably look at it and think well if he's looking to leave Liverpool and you know are Man United in any better shape than Liverpool no uh, they probably are in terms of uh, in terms of their placing uh, but if Rooney's not getting the assurances he was looking for in terms of future investment is Torres? Mm, no, exactly. So obviously that's not the end of that by far. We'll, um, you know, we'll set. But certainly from an England perspective, you know, England need Wayne Rooney to be playing regularly and to be playing at the highest possible level. And if he's going to be left out in the cold until January, um, it's not really doing anyone any favours. What? Um, and do Man you have to pay his wages all the way through to January? Can they not oh, fine him you. for not having for not playing, or do they, can they turn no, around no, and go? No, what in? I'm saying, this is the club's decision that he's up for sale and may right. not play for United again. Right, you're out. That's an expensive reserve player, isn't it? Well, it is. Um, And the other big news, quickly for me, is uh, obviously the the World Cup bidding scandal that again broke in the English press in the Sunday Times at the weekend, where two uh, two of the 24-man executive committee have been uh, caught uh, offering their uh, their vote financial inducements. Uh, It has to be said that they're football inducements; they're not personal. They're not pocketing the money themselves, but it was very much a case of if you support us, we'll, uh, you know, if you support me building these pitches or this academy, then uh, then you'll get my vote. Um, they've since overnight been suspended uh, by FIFA until just before the, the, the voting. They've been suspended for a month. Um, now, there are, there are a number of options, I guess. If they're, they're suspended completely or expelled... Uh, FIFA could go with a 22-man committee, right. which then opens them up to all sorts of legal challenges from the bidding nations, because obviously that reduces the 
you know, the, the chances of, of winning, and you know, so and obviously that it, it takes away a vote from Oceania, which is which very, very important one. for Australia yeah. uh, and from Africa. So you know, they're, they're also an area where Australia has been very active. Um, there are three nations apparently, three bidding nations apparently, as, as yet unnamed bidding nations implicated in this, um, and FFA have quickly come out and said, you know, we're not commenting on this. It's we're not involved in it. Um, we hope no, they're, sure not. <laughs> they're not one of the three. And and even, however, even if they're not, you know, it has to be said that with Oceania being one of the the executive committee votes, that's a big blow to Australia's hopes because that was one vote that we knew we could count on. Yeah. Uh, so Trev, what do you think? You know, Blatter has uh, has come out and said, you know, that it quickly issued a statement saying, you know, that they won't, FIFA isn't corrupt and, you know, they won't stand for this and they've acted quickly and, you know, we have to maintain our integrity. Mm. You can't see them being allowed to vote, you know, because it, it's such a common buzzword around FIFA that they are corrupt and you get the feeling that they might make an example of these two because it's been so high profile. So I'll be surprised if they get to vote. Well, the other option that they do is they expel these guys and, and sort of parachute in two more people to vote. Hmm. Um, Any idea who, you know? Well, the one, the one of the that I read was, that, well, yeah, was Fred de Jong yeah. and Danny Jourdain, who was the head of the South African uh committee who was actually part of the inspection team right. that came out and, did and were the inspection. impressed with us yeah. so who knows where this is going to go obviously we're going to follow this over the next couple of days and you know it, it's it's obviously a concern um the other option is, is that they delay the vote which again causes issues for all bidding nations in terms of their financial planning and the timelines and so it They've moved quickly to suspend these guys, and I'm sure this, this certainly isn't the end of this, and we'll, we'll obviously be following this closely. Mm. Um, never a dull moment in football. Nope. So there you go. So that's uh, a very busy news week. Um, we'll be back after this break. We're going to have a look at the, uh, the FIFA World Cup technical report that's been released this week. So join us after the break. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1304 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Now in part three, we're going to have a look at some of the top line information that came out of the recently released FIFA World Cup technical report. Now, it's you, Holger's old job, wasn't it? Yeah, he was part of the, the thing. I, I was actually sat and the, uh, what game was it? Argentina versus South Korea. I was sat and I ended up on the back row of the top tier of Soccer City. Right. Sat next to one of the FIFA technical guys and right. he was there like it was freezing so he was hunched in a hoodie and FIFA thing mm. and he had a clipboard and he was marking every time something happened he would just put a little mark in it and I was desperately trying to see over his shoulder. Yeah. You don't want to strike up a conversation so, so he had like <laughs> two columns with like team A, team B and and different sort of headlight headings and would mark as he's watching the action he'd mark little things and obviously collates at the end but I couldn't work it out but anyway they have these people at every game that are are looking at the statistics and and certain things and it's a 289 page report Um, so if you really want to read all of that um, you can get it on our new performance section which launched this week 
so just head to au.442.com and see the banner linking you to the performance section. Um, it's there for you to download and have a read of. Um, but we picked out some of the, the in the trends section they look at, which is probably the most interesting part. A lot of it's quite fluffy, but um, it's but quite we'll positive, at, isn't it? Oh, it well, always is. It's yeah. FIFA. It's, you know, yeah, it's nothing wrong with FIFA. It's nothing wrong with football. Everyone's just perfect. talked about. Um, so some of these trends, Trev. See what you think. Yep. Uh, trend one: a new generation of players. Again, this is what makes me laugh. Love this. <laughs> They're talking about like you know the fact that there were more younger players. 123 players under the age of 23 at this World Cup. 99 were actually fielded. Germany had nine players under 23. Ghana eight. Argentina seven. Spain, Serbia, Cameroon, and Mexico all had six. Chile with five. Well enough, Australia don't mention there. Um, <laughs> however, the thing that makes me laugh is that this is all attributable thanks to FIFA's development programs, which oh. were launched by then FIFA technical director Joseph S. Blatter in thanks. 1975. So, Where would we be without Blatter? Right? So basically, is this saying that that anyone under 23 that plays for their country is directly got Blatter result to of Blatter? Yeah, he'll claim okay. everything. Right? Yeah. It's a bit like Doug Ellis. I remember when Doug Ellis was chairman of Villa and he actually claimed that he invented the bicycle kick. Like, yeah, I remember. remember that? Such a strange thing. Um, creativity. Now this, now, this is one that is, it would, I will file under no shit Sherlock. Um, to break down compact defences in modern football, teams are increasingly turned to can dribble. Oh, yes. Catch opponents off guard and sell dummies. Excel in one-on-one. Can dribble their way into the opposition penalty area before shooting can read the game well to make a darting run or play a quick pass can kick football now to me isn't that just what football, football has been like forever like isn't that isn't that George Best and Maradona and Garincha and, and then when they say teams are increasingly what well, exactly. what are, the, what are they What's, measuring that against I don't know right yeah um, intelligent defending around the team's own penalty area is trend three uh, successful teams try to defend close to their own penalty area without conceding stupid or unnecessary fouls I like the stupid in quote marks in quote marks yeah. <laughs> uh, this has become particularly important tactic as every single team now has at least one free kick specialist um, so it's talked about some of the free kicks free kick specialists who's, out Endo, who's ours at Socceroos Bresciano, wouldn't it, if he's playing? Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, he set up uh, Holman's goal, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so no sliding in. Players who slide in only put their own team at risk. Oof. Defenders need to stay on their feet. Boring. Okay. So, yeah, we'll follow that under obvious. Um, four, early pressing and quick transitions to present counter-attacks. In other words, countering counter-attacks, usually with two lines of players. So that's talking about the move to sort of four lines rather than three so rather than a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3 a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-1-2-1-2 or, or whatever uh, so, or a 4-2-2-2 as Chile sort of <laughs> Chile played quite a lot yeah. um, and so what that's doing is having a, a double line in your midfield so rather than your midfield is either forward or back that some of your midfield go forward and some stay back to uh to counter the counter-attack. That's a little bit more interesting. And, yeah, and, and we've seen it Mourinho as well. He was always sort of saying, oh, you can have the ball wherever you want. It's you know, it's about letting them open areas are allowed and then hit them on the break when you get it back off them. Yeah. Uh, point five, active defending, flexibility between the various defensive lines. So defensive midfield, variety in defensive play. Sometimes with zonal marking, man-to-man marking in the defensive lines. So, 
Yeah, I that's, yeah, they're talking about the flexibility there, players stepping in. So I guess if uh, you know if the fullback overlaps, the the midfielder steps into the defence, so they're not left caught, uh, and alternating between a zonal marking system or man-to-man marking. Again, nothing really earth-shattering there. I think no. that's been a case in football for us certainly as long as I've been alive, um, which is quite a while now. Um, positive passing. And possession. Successful teams try to move the ball forwards and not sideways or backwards oh. whenever the opportunity presents itself. Teams that played this way included Spain, Germany, Brazil and the Netherlands. You could literally drop that sentence with the nation's name there into virtually any World Cup. You know, they're trying to pass forward rather than sideways and backwards. Yeah, but I don't necessarily Even the Dutch have been always Spain. been doing Spain will keep the ball for... Spain will keep the ball for 30 or 40 passes and I'd probably say that maybe two or three of those passes will be forwards mm. but you know they're patient and they're happy to play it sideways and backwards to wait until the right ball forward is option I, I think yeah, you know, I, I actually think that that's wrong because <laughs> I think that you know successful teams don't always try and move the ball forward that's part of it is they're quite happy to move the ball sideways or backwards to maintain possession and to retain possession yeah. it's the unsuccessful teams that keep trying to pass the ball forwards even when there's not a pass on I think the Dutch no have always done that yeah. you know, I think that's probably fair of the Dutch and perhaps less, less this time but what I was saying earlier none of this is quantified is it no so it's not like you know there was this amount of passes in these zones you know get, no. get really geeky on us and I'll have a bit more um, quick transitions are a key factor in modern football as soon as they have regained possession teams try to play the ball forward as quickly as they can as they know the opponents are still on the front foot and they could be disorganised at the back. That's Absol- a counter-attack, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely agree with that. You know, And that is the way that Spain play. Spain press high up the pitch. You know, when they haven't got the ball, this is. They try and win the ball back as quickly as possible. And then, we, you know, generally, I think there was the stats from the FIFA presentation at the last coaching conference here was, you know, the majority of a score within six seconds and yeah. three passes of winning the ball. Um, so that is still, still key. And, and I guess as well it comes down to the fact that with defend with with teams lying deep, sitting deeper, relinquishing possession. If you do win possession, your best opportunity of of breaching that defence is, is within the first sort of few seconds of winning the ball back. Um, point eight: successful teams operate as a unit all over the pitch. The team works together when on attack, but then try and stay compact and defend as a unit too. Playing in this manner means players have to have a high level of fitness and stamina. It should also be mentioned that fullbacks have an extremely important role to play in this regard. Not only do they have to operate well in defence, they also have to be able to switch quickly into attacking mode. Is that new? No. It's not really a trend, I wouldn't have thought. I think no. that's always been the case. Well, yeah. yeah. We'll go about Cafu and Roberto Carlos and you know, even further. There's always been flying wingbacks, isn't there? I mean... Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, absolve England and Australia from, from point nine, which is an increasing number of teams are now able to adapt their tactics according to the state of play and the scoreline. And in doing so, they stay in control and never lose their composure. Good examples of this were provided by Argentina, mm. Brazil, Chile, Germany, Ghana, Netherlands, Spain, Uruguay and the USA. Um, Argentina got in trouble once and they lost 4 nil. Yeah, Brazil got in trouble once and couldn't respond they had, even tried, they? they had 25 minutes to find an equaliser against Holland and, and couldn't react so yeah I'd, I'd probably uh, I'd, you know did Spain really change the way they played or did they just were they able to win the World Cup playing exactly the way they wanted um, USA I'd probably agree with that I thought I thought um, Bob Bradley did you know did change the way that he played every now and then mm. uh, Germany as well um, to play in this manner teams quite intelligent highly perceptive players are able to play in a variety of ways this trend will probably become even more pronounced in the years to come 
as it will ensure that successful coaches have a new tactical weapon up their sleeves. I don't think we've encouraged anyone to go and read this report, have we? No, not really. I mean, again, is is that anything new that you need to be flexible? You need players that are able to adapt, coaches that are able to adapt. Um, Do we think that there's any more than usual being displayed? I'd probably say no. So anyway, go and download it if you want to. We've probably just convinced you that you don't have to. Given you the gist of it. Given that they were the the highlights. So uh, that's it for part three. Um, it is there if you want to have your say on it head on to the uh, performance section of the website um, there's already a bit of a discussion on it going uh, going on at the moment we'll be back in part 4 to preview this weekend's A-League games which is round 11 442 is 5 years old this month and we're celebrating with a new section a hot new look and a new editor Australia's finest player Harry Kuehl takes over the editor's job at 442 this month with a look back at the highs and lows of his stellar career and he delivers his controversial blueprint for the future of Australian football go inside Australia's bid to host the 2022 FIFA World Cup as we get exclusive access to the bid team including Ben Buckley and Frank Lowy we go one on one with French legend Robert Pires and launch a brand new performance section guaranteed to make you a better player. Honest, fifth birthday souvenir special issue on sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Now, before we get into previewing... uh, this weekend's four games we've got a little bit of a, a world exclusive or an Australian exclusive at least on our website uh, from tomorrow so from 10 o'clock 10am tomorrow which is Friday um, you'll be able to download the exclusive Australian demo of the, the fantastic management game Football Manager Sega Football Manager 2011 um, it's a world exclusive demo with the A-League so you'll be able to uh, pick your wits uh, and see whether you can do a better job than uh, and Dave Mitchell with that Perth Glory squad. So yep. if you fancy yourself as a budding A-League manager, um, place to be is on our website, 10 o'clock tomorrow, uh, and you'll be able to download it and have your crack at, uh, at managing an A-League team. Trev, you a football manager? Sounds good, yeah. yeah I used to um, pretty much nearly fail my degree because of football management games, and they're, uh, they can get ridiculously addictive. Um, it'd be interesting, you know, obviously going to have the full salary cap and stuff in that, so getting first-hand experience of, of trying to get your team under that will be... Yeah. Be, be pretty interesting I'd say alright cool well uh, I said 10 o'clock tomorrow morning Friday get on it ok action time Friday tomorrow. bad predictions time <laughs> Adelaide at home to Wellington now no it's a lock in surely <laughs> surely if there's a nailed on banker yep ever it's in the physically A-League. impossible this, this has to be a home win surely yeah Wellington awful on the road Adelaide Unbeaten all season. Lecky back in. Lecky back. Uh, Flores potentially back as well. I hear. Um, you know, no goals. Uh, sorry, no defeats this season. Seventeen goals for. Surely that's an Adelaide. Yep. You have to be mad not to think it was going to be a, an Adelaide win. And yeah, I think they'll do it um, relatively easily as See, well. Um, bizarrely, Sporting bet. Right. What do you think the odds are for Adelaide? Oh, I think I saw it two point five. No, dollar eighty five, nearly evens, which I think is when you look at you know, when you another markets, yeah. Um, Wellington four dollar twenty five outsiders and the draw three dollars thirty five. If that was me, I would be dropping money on Adelaide at dollar eighty five. Uh, Melbourne Heart Saturday, 
Amy Park, 6.45, Melbourne Heart versus Gold Coast. Mm. Um, mm. That's quite an interesting game. Uh, I, I think Heart have looked better, so, so too the Gold Coast. Um, when GTA's firing, the, they're going to be tough, and that's a classic A-League tough to call one um, I think I'm going to go for the heart I think they'll, they'll back up after that you know that, that derby win and yep. I think they looked okay in Wellington last week and, and Gold Coast are still struggling for, for goals outside of GTA's you know little run recently it's interesting to see what the crowd is there as well as we talked about last week you know there were a lot of heart fans at that derby certainly way more than the 5,000 they've been getting so yep. it'll be interesting to see do they get an uplift uh, post derby for their home games uh, certainly hope so yeah i, I Mate, I'd, I'd probably agree. I thought the Gold Coast were quite disappointing last week um, against uh, Adelaide. I mean, I thought Adelaide were probably there for the taking without Flores and, and Lecky, and Gold Coast sort of didn't didn't really sort of commit as many men forward as I would have liked to have seen them do. They they still seem to me like obviously Joel Porter has been out for a while. They still seem to be missing Smelts. I think they're missing that yeah. focal point of their attack. Whip out 19 goals from your team every yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. So I I think Hart um, Sporting bet have it. To pretty much, you know, nip and tuck. Melbourne Heart two dollars forty-five. Gold Coast two dollars seventy-five. Uh, the draw three dollars twenty-five. Um, Brisbane versus Melbourne Victory. Uh, this should be a good game. Actually. Both coming off the back of good results. Yeah. Um, you so know, uh, eight forty-five kickoff. Uh, summertime, obviously now on daylight savings, so it's a bit of it's a late kickoff uh, from our perspective but uh, obviously an hour earlier in, in Brisbane um, Brisbane Raw in second uh, you know had a strong start to the season played played 10 now won 5 drawn 4 lost 1 victory uh, having a little bit of a bounce back uh, after the defeat in the derby to beat Sydney comfortably uh, this is, these are always the games that I th- I used to think like established Melbourne victory as like one of the top teams in the league that they were always capable of going to these away games and win yeah. um, very different rule they're going to be facing this time I'm, I'm going to go for the home side again I, I think that even though the victory bounced back well against Sydney Sydney was so poor that it probably made them look a little bit better than they actually are considering how victory played against Hart the previous week Brisbane I think have been brilliant in the last two games um, as we said should have picked up six points rather than four so I think they'll kick on again here and beat Victory Okay, I think, I think it'd be an interesting tactical battle as well because Victory tend to go with their three at the back with Leia, Vargas and Musket and, um, which means that there's, there's you know, they, they tend to in midfield um, Raw as we've seen are playing a you know, really sort of intricate at times passing game through the midfield and I guess it's whether Victory can nullify that with the ex- with the, the the man that they have there, or whether Brisbane can move the ball wide uh, and pull the the three man defence. Certainly, when Sydney uh, went to Melbourne and, and won last season, um, they did that with Ross key, yeah. and Bridge pulling, running, making runs out wide and pulling Layer and, and Vargas out of the centre, and then men hitting the box. So that'd be very interesting. And I'd, I'd imagine that Andrew's probably watched. Uh, a DVD of that and may may pick some inspiration up from that. Uh, it's too early. Sporting Bet I haven't opened a market on that yet, so I can't give you any odds. But uh, but head to the website sportingbet.com.au if you want to have a flutter on that. Uh, final game, uh, final game of the week is uh, Perth Glory. Final game of this weekend. There's a midweek game next week. Um, Perth Glory home to Sydney. Oh, two hideously off form sides in what could be a really ugly encounter. Um, I, I think Perth. After watching Sydney, I watched Sydney play Melbourne last week, and I was thinking, 
you know they haven't won in their opening ten games, and even though they've been a little bit unlucky, Adelaide at home probably been you know the most unlucky. They don't look like having a resurgence anytime soon. So I, I think. Perth have turned around that bad form there. I've gone for four home wins then, which doesn't normally happen. But, but do you, do you, I mean, do you think Sydney are unlucky? Do you, do, you, do you think that they were unlucky against Adelaide, or they were just poor? No, you know, they, they created well, a lot of chances, but but missed them. Not unluckily, missed them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Galekovic had a good game. It was a last-minute, you know, break and goal. Yeah, I think they they, do, they have had moments that have been a little bit unlucky. I'm not saying they've not been absolutely terrible because they have been. Um, but you know, not everything's gone their way as well. I mean, not having Nicky Cole for you know long periods of the season hasn't helped either. But yeah, I'd, I'd still say Perth are going to win that. Okay, uh, Sporting Bet have got it. Uh, Perth two dollars twenty-five, Sydney three dollars ten, draw three dollars twenty-five. Difficult. Yeah, I mean they're about right. They're just yeah, I mean I was watching the Sydney game on, on the weekend. I just felt that there was an inevitability about it. I just yeah. didn't really feel like they. I didn't feel like I was watching a team that believed they could win. Yeah. You know, and that's half the battle, you know. And I, I you know, that's such a turnaround from last season when they were winning games that they probably, you know, didn't deserve to. But it was that belief that ended up getting them over the line and finding that that winning goal, that one nil win. Um, Mariners have the weekend off. There is a game next Wednesday, which is Newcastle Jets versus North Queensland Fury at Energy Australia Stadium. Um, so we hope that obviously uh, the, the, the measures that we talked about earlier will start to have an effect and the fans turn back up to uh, to Energy Australia Stadium. Do we see the Jets getting back to winning ways? Yeah, yeah, I think so. There's a little bit more enthusiasm around the club. Should be a decent crowd. Fury been going fairly badly, except you know win over a struggling Sydney and a win over a struggling Perth side. So yeah, go Jets. Okay, yeah, I probably agree with you there. So uh, so it looks like. Are we going for five home wins? Yeah, it's just that seems pretty unlikely. Even despite home advantage, it's quite rare that you're going to get all five winning. So something's got to give there, I think. But I think I'm on it. I think I'm on the. F- I'm going to box it. You know, five five home wins, box multi. Away we go. Yeah. All right, that's it. Slightly shorter than last week. Um, thank you for joining Four Four Two Insider Podcast. You've been listening to myself, publisher Andy Jackson, Trevor Traham, editor. Uh, and yeah the new issue is on sale Harry Kuehl guest editor see what Trev Trev does on his month off Uh, new performance site on the website is live so head there have a look if you're into your coaching or player development get on it get in the forums have a discussion there's a few few threads already uh, active there where we're talking about player development and coaching which will obviously be a a major area over the next uh, next period and we've just seen the under 19s uh, showing the benefit of um, of good development which we've seen um, that's it enjoy the weekend uh, enjoy following your football and we'll be back next week thanks for joining us 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services